You're listening to Before the Fern Dies with Ashlyn and Wendy. We are coming to you from two corners of the U.S., sunny San Diego and stormy Seattle. We may be a thousand miles apart now, but we started off under one roof as college roommates. Unlike the crispy fern that we killed in that old apartment, we are determined to keep this shit alive. And by this shit, we mean our friendship. So join us every week as we explore the weird, the witchy, and whatever else we can fit in before the fern dies. In cultures all over the world, springtime is synonymous with fertility. As winter gives way to warmer days, the sun shines, the birds sing, the flowers bloom, and all the little animals emerge from their dens and start getting it on, baby! Spring is literally where the birds and bees got their name, and all over Mother Earth this wonderful season brings rebirth. Ah yes, the image of Mother Earth, beautiful, divine, and ever-fertile. She makes springtime feel like a celebration of not just fertility, but womanhood itself. But these days, the word fertility can bring up a different set of images. One way less charming than flowers and birds. We don't know about you, but our heads go to something more clinical. Fertility clinics, fertility treatments, pregnancy, babies, turkey basters, blood, screaming! Okay, 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 okay. Motherhood is a beautiful thing, of course. All we're saying here is that from our lens, young, zillennial, 20-somethings in the year 2021, there's something that makes it all feel, uh, yucky? Scary? We're starting to feel the pressure and seeing firsthand how many expectations are tied into womanhood. You must want kids. You must do it all and do it with a smile at all times, no matter what. And even beyond just the kid conversation, as we grow older, we actually feel our minds and bodies changing. We are at an age where infertility is a thing, where words like endometriosis, cervical cancer, and premenstrual dysphoric disorder are becoming more than just words we read on the internet. We realize that we're at a time of transition, not for the first time in our lives. We've had a good amount of years living in our adult woman bodies. We've got boobs and pubes and plenty of experience using them. We thought that with all the puberty stuff behind us, all that would be left is years and years of self-knowledge and oneness with our physical vessels. But instead of feeling like our bodies are safe harbors, we look down at ourselves and feel like we're in uncharted waters all over again. Not only are we just coming out of Women's History Month, but very recently, Wendy and I were hit with pretty immediate reasons to reflect on women's health. We'll get into the details, of course, but it's got us wondering, what's womanhood all about? Disclaimers! We're starting the episode with some disclaimers, because this is a topic that we're scared to fuck up. (laughs) Agreed. Yes. (laughs) First disclaimer, Wendy. Okay, first disclaimer. Um, we are not qualified in any way. <laughs> That's... Uh, no, rephrase. Rephrase. As, as always, we are 
only experts on our own experience. We are not doctors. We're not gynecologists. We're just telling you. We hardly know how to use the internet. Let's be honest. Barely. Barely. We barely get this show up. So it's it's honestly a miracle. Honestly. So just keep that in mind as you listen. Yeah. I think we're just here to talk about our experience um, in the realm of women's health and things we're learning about ourselves and our changing bodies. And uh, um, we're hoping this might, you know, spark some conversation amongst ladies out there with their other ladies and doctors and whoever else you want to talk with about it with but um point is we're just having a little chat about um vaginas yeah vaginas i like Yo, where are we? I can't talk. Where are we? I can't talk. I can't talk either. I don't even know what I just said. You know what? I'm not cutting this part out. I'm fucking leaving it in. Okay. Talking about all this makes me feel really goofy and weird, and I (laughs) fucking hate it. I hate that I feel so nervous to talk about women's health. I feel less nervousness, more like just I can't articulate anything. Like I feel just so incapable of being like uh i don't know i just like groan and grunt the whole time because i just don't know how to i don't know i don't know what i'm doing okay yeah i think i think the thing too and i think i speak for both of us is if we did not have mics in front of our faces right now we could fucking throw down yeah i could tell you i could tell you the tea like we usually do that yes and it's a shame that you know as soon as the mics are up in our grill, it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what happens, but it's redonkulous. Man, maybe that's that's an extra disclaimer on all of this is that we're going to hoot and holler our way through this topic yeah. and just bear with us because we're, we're trying to fumble our way through this so you don't have to, Ooh. friends <laughs> out there. Yeah. Well, with yeah. that, let's let's just jump into it. Let's talk... Amiga to Amiga and um Mono a mono. Yeah. <laughs> and um talk about what's going on. So what's been going yeah. on? Yeah. You wanna start us off, Wendy? What's going on in your little ovary town? Uh Ovary Town, USA is basically in shambles. Oh no. Um, so in all seriousness, um, we kind of alluded to it in the intro of this episode, but basically we got some we got some diagnoses <laughs> yeah. recently. Um, and it kind of wigged us out. It's kind of wild, the timing that right. we kind of figured this all out kind of very much in the same neighborhood as each other. And it's, well, I mean, well, I guess we'll get into our feelings about it later, but that's kind of what prompted this conversation about women's health and fertility and things of that nature but um andy's clawing the bed next he's to me pissed. hopefully the mic isn't picking it up he's so pissed he's pissed i can hear it because he he wants yeah. it to be heard so mm-hmm. i'm just procrastinating at this point okay okay what you okay. so <laughs> so wendy me has pcos as i just figured out like a month ago at mm-hmm, this point mm-hmm. i think it was a month um 
I'm looking at our questions right now. What is PCOS? PCOS, everybody. Um, and this is brand new knowledge for me as well. Um, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, this lovely statistic that I thought to gather <laughs> beforehand from, according to Penn Medicine, 5 to 10% of U.S. women have it, making it one of the most common hormonal disorders in women of reproductive age. Hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, medical speak to say that I got some uh, some little buddies <laughs> in ovary town. So can you describe what's happening in your body then in the ovary town? Yeah, um, I'll do the long version, I suppose, which is that um, this all kind of started actually a long time ago. I said the long version, but <laughs> wow, it really is a long version. <laughs> So I first started menstruating, first started having a period when I was 11, which is <gasps> fucking horrendous. Same. Wait, really? I'm serious. What the hell? <laughs> twins. Yo, twins. It felt early. It did. I'm, I'm mad. Um, it was the last day of fourth grade for me. <sighs> I went to the movie theater to watch Nancy Drew with my friend. <laughs> And I just had a period and I didn't tell anybody for like three days because I was like, no, nah, I really don't want to do this right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So but from that point on, my periods were like never quite regular. They were always mm. a little bit like regularly irregular, mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. would say. Um, then I went on the pill for the first time when I was 16 and then when I was 18, I broke up with the boyfriend who I went on the pill <laughs> for. And I was really emo and sad. And I was just like, I don't fucking care anymore anyway. And so I went off the pill. And that's when the problems began, unbeknownst to me. Because um, then basically, like, you know, a few years later, I wasn't on, you know, birth mm -hmm. control of any kind. And so... Um, later, you know, a couple years after I went off the pill, I went vegan, right? Mm. Um, this, so this would have been like over two years ago. And I think because I was making this, you know, change to my diet and to my body, I finally started paying attention. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have no reason, like spoiler, I have no reason to believe that going vegan is what caused this. Like, oh very yeah, much. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just what caused me to pay attention. And I realized like, huh, when was the last time I had a period? And it was fucking like two years before. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I I don't think that's an exaggeration to say that like, wow. you know, over the three, two, three year period that I like really started thinking about it. I think I had like <sighs> quarterly periods at best, wow like twice a year or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Um. So very 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 irregular periods gained quite a bit of weight all of a sudden and then it, like gained a bunch and then kind of leveled out like I've stayed the same right. for the last couple years uh -huh. but that was another one I started to like <laughs> like grow some extra new body hair <laughs> some little buddies you know <laughs> got a little got a little fuzzy um, not not fuzzies like some long tan and handsomes oh like, they were very right. rare yeah so let me think what else 
I think that was pretty much all the symptoms. And I wasn't experiencing any sort of pain or anything like that, but it was just sort of like periods. And then at the urging of several friends who I was telling this to, they were like, oh, Wendy, you're supposed to have a period once a month. Perhaps you should get that checked out. And then I was like, no. (laughs) So I went to my doctor. Finally, 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 finally. I was at Kaiser at the time. um, And that is important. Um, So I went to this doctor and she was an absolute delight. Love her. Remember her fondly. And she, I kind of told her what was happening. I was there for my first pap smear too. So that was kind of happening all at once as well. And I told her what was happening and she was like right away. She was like, huh, I wonder if you like, this sounds like PCOS to me. And so that was the first time this was planted in my head Mm -hmm. um, of, you know, putting an actual illness to like these irregularities that I was experiencing for all these years. And yeah. So that was like the first real, 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 like, oh, fuck, this is like real. Because this whole time my friends were telling me like, dude, like it could be something really serious. You should go, like go now. And I had put it off forever. Um, And so that when she said that, I was like, oh, shit, because like I didn't know exactly what it was. And it it sounds really serious. Um, So she said, yeah, I kind of suspect this, but I don't want to tell you for sure until we run some tests go home right now and then schedule another appointment for some labs Mm. and we'll find out for sure. And I was like, okay, cool. Left. I (gasps) did not schedule the labs. (laughs) I did no such thing. Um, I, and then I kind of like used that as an excuse to procrastinate for a whole other year. Like this was year pre, like this was the October before the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. So like 2019, um, and I basically just never went back. Like, I just kind of used excuse after excuse to never follow yeah. up on that. I think I was just freaked out. Yeah, yeah. If I, like, I didn't know that I was freaked out, but I really was, and I just was procrastinating on this. Um, but anyway, so kind of, like, let this pattern continue for a year. And um, between then, of course, the pandemic happened. Um, I switched jobs and, therefore, health insurances, too. Yeah. So then I was um, on a new insurance, a new, a whole new like hospital healthcare system. And so kind of like used that as another thing to procrastinate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then finally at the beginning of this year, I think the switch that flipped was that, you know, Scott is coming, my fiance, he's coming from uh, Australia soon. And I was like, "Hmm, perhaps I should be on some sort of contraceptive (laughs) for when that happens. (laughs) Um, and so then I was kind of like, oh, shit, I, I, I have to do this. So finally went a, to a new, a new second doctor. I told her everything that had happened, told her what the other doctor had told me. And she was like, yeah, 100%. Like, that's my suspicion as well. And she said, I'm not letting your ass get away. <laughs> like <laughs> the previous doctor, she was like, go downstairs to the lab right now. I told them you're coming. Um Ooh go do that and then make another appointment for an ultrasound because basically this is like a hormone condition so the thing she was testing for was like um an out of balance between like my estrogen and my testosterone levels yeah is kind of like the main thing and then everything else kind of stems from there Mm -hmm. um so she was kind of like let's run the whole gambit 
and then we'll figure it out. So labs came back, hormones were out of balance and that was enough for her to call me and be like, okay, yeah, like I'm going to go ahead and like, this is your diagnosis, but still go for the ultrasound. I thought I was going to be able to procrastinate on that appointment as well, but she had them fucking call me. Like, (laughs) I got a call from radiology (laughs) and they were like, um, Wendy, it's time to schedule your calendar right now. And I said, okay, went back, got a pelvic exam for the first time. And that was crazy, dude. Okay. Can you describe a pelvic exam? So a pelvic exam, well, first of all, I went and I got an ultrasound first. Like that's what I thought, that's all I thought was gonna happen is like the classic like cold gel on the stomach, like that whole yeah. thing. So I did that and then she was the, the lady who was doing it for me, she was like, okay, um, so go get changed. And I was like, what? And she was like, it's time for the pelvic exam. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna get real, I'm, I'm gonna get a little graphic here. So. Yay. Everyone put your children away. But <laughs> basically, it's like to image your ovaries. And so she takes a 10-inch plastic wand. Ooh. And I I am not exaggerating when I say she dumped a gallon of lube on this oh thing. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> sauced this thing up Sauce and then up. just just stirred my guts up with it, <gasps> oh basically. <my> <laughs> It was a lot. Holy (laughs) smokes. It wasn't painful per se, but it was just sort of a lot. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Happening. So much happening and so invasive. And like that, I've, yeah, I've never, you know, had a pelvic exam. And that's, I don't want one. It, you know, it, it wasn't bad. And I will say that, um, I'm going to change her name. What's like a, a, a name that I can use. Robertson. Robertson. Robertson was a delight. Here's here's what my uh suspi- like my anxious, suspicious brain is sure. telling me. I think that she saw cysts on my ovaries right away. Cause I'm like, yeah, they have to know what it looks like. Right. I told her what I was there for. I have a feeling that she must have seen it. But then, like, was just going to leave it for the doctor to tell me because she kind of, like, turned, the, like, the screen so that I couldn't see it. Oh. Like, and then she starts, abs- like, just telling me her whole life story. <laughs> like, telling me how <laughs> she just, she's leaving her husband what? right now. <laughs> and <laughs> the new guy in her life and, like, her boob job. Oh. <laughs> and- so... Oh my gosh, how long, okay, how long does a pelvic exam take then? I, you know, I'm trying to remember. It was like probably not that long. I think I was probably in and out in like 30 minutes mm-hmm. for like the ultrasound right. changing, like all that yeah. stuff. So it wasn't long. It's the only one I've ever gotten, so I don't yeah. know if it was just a slow pelvic exam <laughs> or what. But it, it wasn't wow. too long, but long enough for me to, you know, be walking out the door and say, like, Robertson, here's exactly what you need to do. Like, right. People are just feeding on like people can tell you're thriving and that's why you're attracting all these bum men. And, <laughs> you know, we were we were buds by the end. Nice. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I left the doctor that day or the left radiology. And then, yeah, my primary care doctor, who is a delight, by the way, um, she called me the next day and was like, hey, yeah, dude, like the markers we were looking for were basically like 
irregular periods is checkbox number one. Hormone imbalance is checkbox number mm-hmm. two. And then actual active cysts is like, yes, for mm-hmm. sure. It's like you can have a combination of them. Right. Like two out of the three would kind of like be enough to be like, yeah, you've got it. Uh, so you can have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and not have cysts. Okay. Because it's like the condition is just the hormone balance, basically. Got it. Got it. And so what the cysts come from is like because your hormones are imbalanced, you're not ovulating every month. Okay. Um, so that's so like you're skipping periods, right? right? Like, oh, like releasing an egg is what then right. triggers a period. But because that's not happening, that's why I wasn't getting periods mm-hmm, for so long. Mm-hmm. So how does the cyst form? Yeah. So the cyst is just the egg sitting <gasps> in the ovary, like never being released. Oh. And then all of the shit that you normally like shed in a period just builds up and builds up and becomes a cyst. Wow. Yeah. Those eggs just want to like stay up in there and warm and cozy. Just, oh. <laughs> It's a hard world down there. Yeah. I just want to stay in the over. <laughs> oh my god. But wow, I talked forever. No. <laughs> uh, please. It was necessary. And I just wanted to add that if I was your egg, I'd want to stay in your ovary too, Wendy. Cuz that seems That's all I want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, that means that you're not you're producing eggs but they're not being released so Mm -hmm. getting back to um part of our theme here about like fertility what does that mean for you in terms of fertility um right yeah yeah um so from what the doctor said it's not like she she's not like oh you will never have kids like it was not that dire um she was basically like you know you might it might be a little harder. You might need to like put a little bit more like consideration and planning and kind of like be really intentional about it. If you do ever want to have kids and like start doing that. Um, But it's not impossible basically. Yeah. So talk to me more about like treatment plans. Like what's the treatment Mm -hmm. look like for that? Is there treatment? What, what's been your experience with that? It's very early. I think step number one was getting back on some sort of hormonal birth control. Yeah. From from what my doctor said, it was kind of like there isn't a cure per se. It's not like this, you know, unless it like got super out of hand and there was like disaster scenarios. It's right. like it's not going to kill me. It's like it's not life threatening. So she was just kind of like, you know, there's no curing it per se, but we can treat symptoms. So Step number one is I I went back on the pill, which is, you know, the whole point of the pill is to kind of like simulate a hormone balance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's that regulates your periods in a very like structured way. Yeah. Um, so that that was number one. And then from there, she was kind of like, yeah, the individual symptoms, you can kind of like you can treat them as you want. Like, um, you know, having like a little bit of extra like chin hairs. Right. <laughs> Like something like that. She's like, I mean, I can prescribe you a pill for that. You can go get some laser hair removal. You can get a sick pair of tweezers. You can do whatever you want. Um, Things like weight gain. It's like, she's like, I could also like, basically the same rules apply for each symptom. Right. Of like, you can, you can try the diet and exercise thing. You can. Right. Um again, do a medication. Like, you know, it's, it's basically like the, the, the treatment 
is just treating the symptoms. Right. It's not necessarily right. like you are now on this like uh, PCOS managing right. medication right. now. So can the cysts ever become, I know you said it's not like life threatening, but um, is there a situation where that could become like you have to remove the cysts or like, is it just, mm. do they kind of, you know, cause a cyst, you know, like my understanding of it, it, it'll drain and refill cause it's like a pocket. So, right. You know, they kind of fluctuate, they come back, they, we, you know, they drain and come back and whatever. Yeah. Um, but what would be a situation which you'd have to have them removed or is there one? Yeah. Um, and this is where my knowledge, my immediate knowledge kind of stops because it's like, I do, you know, in the back of my mind have the idea of like, I hear about cysts bursting. Like right. that sounds like this really spooky thing, but from what she told me and you know, what she must've seen on like the scans and everything. Um, she said they're, they're small, they're benign. Mm -hmm. Um, they're not, they're not cancerous or anything like that. Um, she said the main thing is just sort of like they can they can basically hang out as they are right now. Um, and they just kind of chill where they are. But it would just it's just kind of like a thing to look out for now. Like yeah. she said, like if you have like new abdominal pain all of a sudden, that's the first place we're going to look or. Right. You know. That was one of my questions to her is like, OK, is this, you know, is is this a monthly doctor's appointment now? Is this like a twice a year doctor appointment where I need to like, yeah. keep, like monitor these and keep tabs on them? She didn't really seem to, to think so. Yeah. She was just kind of like, you know, Got just it. listen to your body. You know, they're there. And, um, that's so yeah, spooky. But, but yeah, just kind of, <laughs> just kind of like sit on that knowledge. All right. <laughs> but, um, no, she didn't say anything about, you know, getting them removed. I think the only time you need to like, get them removed or like you know have some sort of invasive treatment is if they got like super super huge for some uh, reason yeah got it mm -hmm. but it seems from from my understanding because i'm now on the pill and i'm having i am in fact having a regular period again which is sucks <laughs> crazy Yo. like i dude my corny ass was in the doctor's like, in her office like she was like telling me about all these birth control options going like yeah you could go on this you could go on this it like makes your period super light or like go away like I could tell that she was like leaning towards the options that like I would imagine most women want like fuck yeah like sign me up for like a lighter period but I was like you know I haven't had a period in a long time <laughs> And I just would really like to experience that spiritual cycle of <laughs> growing and shedding with each month. <laughs> That's fantastic. It was so goofy. And now I like, so I've been on, like, this was a month, like, actually almost exactly a month ago that I, like, started back on the pill. Basically, like, all the ex all of the symptoms that I used to have when... I used to have regular periods because um, there was a time <laughs> when that was a thing. Um, it just came back. It's like it's like nothing ever happened. Riding a bike. I, it all came back to me like riding a bike, like riding this awful, <laughs> achy, bloated bike. And I was like, why did I say that? Like, why did I do that? <laughs> I am a fool. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Yeah, that's a that's my tale. Got it. Um, after all that, um, 
but now we move to you. <laughs> and so you also received a diagnosis recently. And so I'd kind of love to hear the same the same series of questions of like, what were you experiencing? Right. Um, what was kind of the pathway to figuring out what it was? Like what pitfalls did you run into along the way? And yeah, just kind of tell me the whole story. I'll give you the the, the deets. Um, juicy deets. I guess mine are, they're less juicy than yours, but. I wouldn't say so. <laughs> like, let's not. Let's hey, not compare. The, the, let's not gaslight our experiences. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I'm done interrupting you. <laughs> so, so I guess like I was technically diagnosed. Okay. Yeah. I'll start. Okay. I'll go back. Yes. So I think it was probably, I think it was my sophomore year of college. I like, okay. Further back than that, I was always a moody ass little person, you know, like (laughs) always really fucking moody. My periods were always, you know, got my period at 11, puberty hit, even moodier. Um, And I had really heavy flows and, you know, that was a thing for a while. And then I, you know, I, I had really heavy flows. And then, yeah, um, I considered taking birth control be- to, to con- help control that, but then didn't because I just, like, wasn't really knowledgeable about it. And my mom, I had a weird relationship with, like, we didn't really talk about those things. And so, mm. and I was scared to, like, ask her to take, I don't know. And then I just threw it aside and was like, whatever. And then sophomore year of college i'm like you know having a fucking mental breakdown okay flash forward to college i think it was definitely partly circumstantial but like i could there was just something off like i just wasn't i gotten really really low lows and then i was like fine and whatever so i thought okay i need um some help like there was a time I think the point where I was like, I need help was when I didn't get out of bed for literally three days. Like I didn't eat anything. I slept for three days pretty much straight um, and was like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) And then I was like, I need to call someone and figure this shit out. And so I, um, you know, got in touch with like, I uh, like I I got a therapist and a psychiatrist and whatever and was like okay like you know it's it seems like depression to me like pretty straightforward Mm -hmm. whatever so started treating that got on some SSRIs I think the first one I tried was um Celexa um and didn't really feel much of a difference so I you know I think it I took that for almost a year probably and then I switched to paroxetine or paxil which is what i'm on now which is a different ssri and you know in and out of therapy been on ssris and just like my moody old self but i also oh yeah forgot important part i started birth control too i think i was Hmm. um 19 i guess when i started taking an actual pill um to help again regulate like my moodiness and my period and everything so i thought okay that's helpful um and then yeah time goes on whatever and then i st- as I, I i like what you said about like okay you became 
vegan and like got through that became so much more aware of like your body and what it's doing and i i liked how you said that and um i didn't turn vegan per se but i i think there i experienced some sort of shift of like you know caring more about my body and being focused on like right you know my mental state my mental health and so i don't honestly know where i first heard the term or came to the term pmdd which stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Um, I honestly can't remember. But what I do remember was that a couple years ago, I was like looking it. I was looking it up. I was like, "Hmm, this kind of sounds like me." Um, and it's different from PMS, premenstrual syndrome, which a lot of women experience and have. It's basically a way more intense version of PMS. Um, and a lot, my understanding is like a lot more um, like mental and behaviorally more intense, like the moodiness and the mm, depression gotcha. and the irritability, the anxiety, all those things. And so um, recently I was working with my therapist and I brought up this idea again and she was like, well, and I think I kind of said it nonchalantly and she took it really seriously and we started looking into it and she was like, well, I think this, like, looks right to me um, because it's technically a mood disorder or it's classified as a mood disorder, at least according to my therapist. And um, in the book, like the, um, what is it called? DSM, right? The diagnostic, like, book for, like, mental health do you know what i'm referring to actually i actually don't is that it's coming like from like the gynecological world or no from no the psychology, psych- world? psychology world it's like a book of like here are the criteria for this particular mental mm. illness so okay. it could be like it's all gotcha. all kinds of mental illnesses and so this is like i said this is more about the mental side as opposed to like the gynecology bodily world if that makes sense and so like there is a you know there's like seven or eight criteria and if you have five or more of them like consecutively for like two cycles or whatever then yeah looks like you probably have it so i checked off probably six or seven of them Um, and I experience these things usually with PMDD, these symptoms you experience one to two weeks before your period and then get some relief from it a few days when your period, after your period starts and then maybe for that following week, but then it, you know, it starts all over again. And so, yeah, like if, I mean, there's, there is a large range of symptoms a given person can experience and there's like, I looked at you know, I just typed it online in, like, the Mayo Clinic and John Hopkins Hospital has, like, some stuff on it and there's, like, these, there's a bunch of different charts and most of them say the same thing. I mean, the irritability, the sadness, despair, depression, even thoughts of suicide, like, that's kind of, that's a big thing. Um, The anxiety. And aside from that, like, you know, there's effects on your sleep, um, your energy levels, your eating habits, um 
And, of course, the physical symptoms of, like, regular PMS-type stuff, you know, cramps, bloating, breast tenderness. Um, But I also was reading, like, I think it was on the John Hopkins, like, chart that they provided that it was, like, I mean, back aches, which is, like, I was, like, back aches? Like, I feel like I'm a six-year-old woman with the aches in my back, you know? And and I'm, like, could this be it? (laughs) Um, So, and, like, seriously, they're so... when I look at all the symptoms, I'm just kind of like, well, doesn't everyone experience these things to some degree? Or mm. at least, like, you know, women and PMS especially. Like, So it was hard for me because I felt – and I, I think I'm going through this kind of weird period currently of, like – actually, we were going to talk about feelings about it later. So I'll save that and finish up my little lecture on PMDD. <laughs> okay. um, so – Anyways, for me, yeah, there was back aches, extreme, like, depression the two weeks prior to my period, super irritable, like, super moody. I'd be, like, totally fine and jive in one minute, and then I'd look over at that door over there and just be, like, pissed off. Like, it could, there was nothing that triggered it. It was just, like, really intense mood swings, um, extreme tiredness. Like, I literally was, like, am I narcoleptic? (laughs) Because I would just be, like nodding off like even driving I just couldn't keep my eyes open you know it it just Mm. got really intense at times um like lack of focus or concentration um and then you know all the like associated symptoms was just depression itself like you know lack Mm. of interest in daily activities or you know things that you like all those things all kinds of stuff I really if you suspect any if this sounds any sort of familiar I totally encourage people to at least look up like what are other symptoms because like I said there Mm. there's so many that could be related um and I think everyone kind of experiences a little bit differently and has a different like um I kind of got the feeling it's like on a spectrum almost of like Mm. you can have it really extremely or not so extremely um and so I don't really know where I'm at. I'm still really learning. This is all super new to me and um, right. hard to kind of grasp. And I keep like doubting myself that like, is is this, do I have this? You know, because it's a mental thing. So it's like, yeah, there's, I can't do a test. I can't do an ultrasound or, or something. And so it like, I don't know. I think, again, this isn't a conversation for maybe like our feelings about it because I've got a lot of feelings about it um and i think the other the last thing i was wanted to wrap this up with was um was like cause and treatment type stuff so really briefly i'll just say like there's not much known about the cause of it um a lot of people believe and think that there's links to like um genetics like so having family members or parents who do have mood disorders um as well as like it is a hormonal thing as well like because it's associated with the menstrual cycle you know there is Mm. some hormonal aspect to it and it is believed that like serotonin levels are off (laughs) during this time um and in terms of like treatment I don't know working on it you know like I think Mm. like a mental disorder it can I mean a mental illness it can be 
a little tricky and everything everyone's kind of different so right now I'm in therapy I'm working on connecting with a psychiatrist to like figure out my medication thing because my therapist brought up a good point to me and said like well if this is the case maybe we've been treating the wrong thing like maybe you don't have just generalized depression like it's very specifically associated with it is PMDD which is different and so figuring out what kind of birth control and what kind of SSRI can work well together with my body to help at least um, you know minimize those symptoms that is kind of the goal I think Um, Mm. but it's not yeah it's not like curable I don't think Um, and I mean my yeah and I (laughs) I think um, <laughs> the statistic that you threw up here alongside with yours was that um, three to eight percent of reproductive women reap re- the whoo hold on <laughs> reproductive aged women reproductive aged women three to eight percent in the U.S. experience or have been I guess diagnosed with PMDD. I imagine, again, a lot of, like, the mental illness world, mental health world, a lot is misdiagnosed, a lot is undiagnosed, so, like, who knows about that? But, yeah, whew, yeah, so that is my little tale. And what a tale indeed. (laughs) I mean, I think, (laughs) damn, I think, you know, something that really struck me while you were speaking on this whole experience is just kind of... I think pointing to like the the huge difficulty of pinning down mental illness in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like what really struck me is like the nature of mental illness is just, it is just checking boxes and right. having to like trust and, you know, have conviction of in your own experience and what's going on in your right. own brain. And that is so hard. That's what the mental illness is attacking in the first place. Right. I mean, like just on the top of my head, I remember reading like another symptomatic thing is like low, like self-esteem and self-image and stuff. So like those doubts are very real for me of like, nah, yes. man, like I don't have this, like this I'm not that. I'm just bad. making it I'm up. I'm making it up. And not to mention the whole aspect of just like how women are treated in the health and mental health world in general yeah. and how we're made to believe that we are making it up. And like just the history of like, you know, hysteria and oh, it's just it's generational yeah. trauma. And <sighs> this shit that we're going through in this kind of like this avoidance or this disbelief or this doubt or this, you know, the fear of like not being able to maybe birth your own child, like that, all of that I think is really related as, you know, aside from, I mean, we, we will go deeper into that, but like, just to make a quick statement, like a lot of that is just rooted in this generational trauma of, of, you know, femininity and what womanhood is and like how we as a culture and society have for so long defined what a woman is and what she should be able to do and is capable of and what her body is for and on that note we are actually going to say goodbye for now and take a little break 
In this first half of our discussion on womanhood, you heard Ashlyn and I discuss our journeys getting diagnosed with PCOS and PMDD. And as is often the case with us, it proved to be a much larger conversation than we originally planned for. So we're breaking it up into a little series. In the next part of the conversation, you will hear us talk about our feelings since getting diagnosed with these two disorders, and we'll also share how it has changed our thoughts on womanhood and how we define it. All of that and much more, so we hope you'll join us for Womanhood Part 2. We'll see you next time, and in the meantime, take care. And thanks for listening to Before the Fern Dies. Thank you.